Welcome to PT Talk. This is Matt Demaro, joined by my co-host Chris Hinker. Uh, I'd like to like say my own name, Matt. Chris Hinker, everybody. Well, apparently that's his new thing. So uh, <laughs> that's guess, my thing. I guess every new podcast that's what uh, that's what you're going to hear from an introduction. But today we got a couple of unique topics to talk through. Uh, I know Chris and I have been requested to discuss a specific topic. Chris, what is that topic? Why don't PTs sell? Or <laughs> What if you're an owner, what you may be thinking, why don't my PTs sell? Or how can I get them to sell? Or how can I change the culture to sell? Why does my business do no cash sales? You can frame it basically any way that you want. The origin's the same. You get the point. It's PTs and selling that we're going to be talking about today. Mm -hmm. It's a common misconception in the mind of a therapist that leads to this entire problem. That's, I fundamentally believe that. And I'll tell you a story that came from personal experience about a patient. Well, I, I don't mean to cut you off here, but I, I want to for a second first, because before we even get into stories, I think it's important for us to address the importance or at least the intention behind like why we want PTs to sell or why we want PTs to be able to offer uh, different products and services to the patients that they're working with on a daily basis. Part of that does have to do with just the overarching landscape of, of healthcare in the United States today. I mean, we're in an environment where declining reimbursements are affecting all of us. So we live in a world where we are paid less and less every year for the exact same services rendered while business expenses are continuing to rise. Rents going up, utilities are going up. I mean, all of our overhead is rising. And this business model is becoming less sustainable as time goes on. So the reason why Chris and I are frequently asked, like, why don't my PT sell or how can I get them to sell, is because many of these owners are looking at sales as a way to be able to enhance the overarching business. Yeah, while that's exactly what would happen, you know, as um, you know, just just as a direct response from selling something, but that's not the philosophy that Chris and I have, and that we you know deploy throughout the physical system. So you know, that that's some of the background behind why we're constantly getting asked, "How do I get them to sell?" Yeah, very very fair, uh, and and it eats at that just fundamental misconception that I believe we talked about on one of our earlier shows where. It's almost beat into us through the educational institution of therapy and through our, our upbringing and as healers. You can't be financially successful and be patient care oriented. And that's just not the case. It's a fundamental untruth, mistruth. <laughs> it should be the opposite. Fallacy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the better your patient care, the more money you should make, the more your business should grow, the more you should prosper. Right. I, I agree. You're preaching to the choir. But what I'll tell you is that when it comes to selling, there is another fundamental just miscommunication. And I think it's all about perspective. Now, I know the hesitancy that comes from a therapist. Their hesitancy, and you tell me if I'm wrong, if your experience is any Mm -hmm. different from mine, I cannot fathom that it would be. They do not want their patients to feel like they are a salesperson trying to sell them something that they don't need. That's it. I mean, everyone knows listening. PTs, clinicians are inherently very compassionate, caring type people. They don't want to be perceived as a salesperson. 
That's that's not what they signed up for as they became a clinician. Have you ever heard someone say, this person is that characteristic to a fault? Oh, of course. This is the fault. Yep. PTs are caring to a fault, meaning they care so much and are so concerned about you thinking that they might be trying to sell you something that I do not believe they take the time to walk a mile in the shoes of the patient. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so let's talk about perspective here. We know what the PT perspective is. What about the perspective of the patient? Let me tell you a real life story from someone that I know and it, it just will, it'll change your perspective. The patient in this case was telling the story about how they'd had knee trouble over the past and, and when asked what they really wanted to do, their goal was to be able to get back on the slopes for a week straight and actually be able to complete that week and enjoy that fresh powder out on the West Coast like they used to. Is this an older adult? It's probably your epitome of a therapy patient today. Right, We're talking right. baby boomer yep, yep. with some funds to be able to deploy, no longer employed, wanting to make the most of their retirement, probably wants to get on the, on the, on the hill with his family, maybe his grandkids, be a part of that experience. Can't do it for more than a day mm -hmm. because of challenges that continue to exist from knee issues. Now, put this patient in your office, and I'll talk to you about the experience. And it was a therapist that, after the fact, we find out, didn't want this patient to feel like they were trying to sell them on a knee brace. When you ask the patient what their perspective was, you mm -hmm. know what he said? Hmm. Oh, I just didn't think they cared. I, That's unique. Nobody asked me if I had ever heard about the value of having a knee brace in this area. No one told me that a knee brace could substantially reduce the challenges and it could adjust where biomechanically, where the pressure is going on my knee. It could help me to experience a better ski trip with my family. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got a PT concern that a patient is going to think they're selling them something, but yet you've got a patient yeah, who now that, thinks you just don't care? You just don't care. Well, well, after all, you've got somebody else in the waiting room. You've already got your next patient lined up. You, you must just not care about the whole me. Mm -hmm. And how, how fundamentally untrue. The problem here is they care so much about you, they're afraid of offending you. Right. When what they should be doing is looking for ways not to upsell you, but to upserve you. And that's mm -hmm. something that I know personally I have told hundreds and hundreds of people You've got to flip the script. You've got to change the mindset that either you or your employees and team members have where you are not upselling, you are up serving. And when you do that, there's a fundamental shift that occurs in your business where your team begins to look for every opportunity where they can serve your patients. And inevitably, they will find mm -hmm. that those opportunities come from products and services beyond the scope of traditional therapy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you think about, I mean, to me, it's really about caring. So, you know, when you say you got to look at someone, a patient and be able to ask yourself, you know, well, like, what more can I do for this patient? You know, if I've, if I've treated whatever episodic ailment as to why they're in our office, like what more can I do for them? Is there any other offering, any other service or product that would provide them truly what they want and need? So, you know, I'm, I'm summarizing it as, as caring. So quote, caring. Do you think caring is something that's that's 
learned or, uh, you know, is a trait that's gained over time? Do you think it's something that someone's born with? I mean, talk to me about care for a second. Well, I don't, I don't know philosophically whether it's something you're born with or something you learn. I'm not going to get into the nature versus nurture argument with you, but what I'll tell you is I think it's something that every single therapist I've ever met would say ranks right up there with their top priorities. Well, the profession doesn't show it like that because what PTs do across the entire United States, I mean, miracle workers, you guys are like wizards, yet you like to keep everything a secret. It's hmm. It's crazy to me. Like taking uh, orthotics as an example. You know, we all know orthotics can be used as a part of a comprehensive treatment protocol for anyone suffering from foot, ankle, knee, hip, spine, neck, you know, back challenges. How many of patients, how many patients do you have coming through your office that fit that description? Yet how frequently are you not offering, but how frequently are you even talking about? the benefit that a pair of orthotics could provide to your patient population. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I, so, so it's like, how do you create, you know, caring? I mean, caring employees. I mean, you better care if you're going to work in my business. I mean, period. I know it's the exact same for you. So it's like, how does one get, you know, a therapist to look at their patient like it's their mother or father <laughs> or grandmother or grandfather and have that deep level of caring? Because believe me, that's the only way that you're going to be able to begin, uh, you know, getting your, your clinicians to be able to begin offering additional products and services. They have to care. Well, I'll tell you one thing, you know, if you, if you want to stick with this uh, orthotic example, if I have someone, let's, let's say hypothetically, I'm a business owner. I see a patient come in that clearly is a candidate for orthotics, clearly mm -hmm. someone where... If they were to be successful, orthotics could better their quality of life. But yet the individual working with them fails to bring up orthotics. Mm -hmm. Not suggest that they get them, but educate them. Sure. Bring the knowledge to them. I'm going to sit that person down. I'm going to have a conversation. And it's not going to be the most fun part of my day, but it's going to be a learning experience for the both of us. And it's going to help me as the owner to find out, is this person the right cultural fit for my business? Because I'm going to ask them very yeah. quickly. Like, like, what would you say? I mean, because, you know, what I would really like for someone to be able to take away, you know, what to do in an experience like this. So if you saw a physical therapist like that, who, who just completely missed an opportunity to educate and show how much they care, mm -hmm. I mean, like, like, what would you say to that? That's exactly what I'll say. So in this scenario... You're going to be the quote unquote bad guy. You're going to be the PT <laughs> right. that saw a patient yep. whose life could be improved by orthotics, but was too scared or, or had the wrong mindset or to bring busy. up or too busy or otherwise not caring enough mm -hmm. to bring up orthotics. I would sit you down and I would say, Matt, you know, Mr. Smith just left. And I noticed that at no point during your discussion and your time together, did you bring up the concept of orthotics? Why is that? That's probably what I would hear. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> As or response, I don't know. You know I, I don't know. You know, so now I'm just, you know, I don't know. Uh, I may respond, uh, you know, well, well, Chris, um, I know that this, I know Mr. Smith is having a hard time even affording his copay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I didn't see, 
I didn't really see the purpose of me bringing something up that I know like he would never even want, I guess. So that's my response to you. And that would open up another door where I would say, I would, I would say, Matt, we cannot, if we care about our patients, project onto them what we assume to be their abilities and capabilities. Did you know that Mr. Smith is a smoker? That he spends a substantial amount of money <laughs> every week point. on yeah. cigarettes? Yeah. Did you know that Mr. Smith loves the mocha, froca, chocolate, whatever the heck it is the kids get from Starbucks these days? He buys one, they're seven bucks, he gets one every day. It also could be why he has the knee problem, he's your orthotics. Anyway, they all play together. <laughs> but, but not to get off topic here, but there are things we don't know about a person. And we should not assume their ability or capabilities based on, again, an assumption, because that's mm -hmm. what it is. And I would go further and I would say, Matt, I'll tell you why you didn't ask. And it can only be one of two answers. Now, please don't take this the wrong way, but earnestly ask yourself this. It, there's only two possible answers as to why you didn't bring up orthotics. The first is you don't believe that they work. Do you okay. believe that they work? I do. Yes, I believe. Okay. That, uh, yep, I do. Then your only choice is that you don't care about Mr. Smith because it is not within your power whether or not he can afford orthotics. It is only within your power whether he knows about them and the benefit that they could provide to him. And I'm the owner of this business. It would be up to me if he said, well, gosh, I, I'd be interested in those, but I just can't afford them. You don't know. Perhaps I'd like to give a pair to him in that unique situation. Maybe I'd like to provide a discount, but, but we're never going to know. And you have to look at the perspective of Mr. Smith because most of the time our patients, we have to remember they're laymen in, when it comes to healthcare. They don't know what we know and it is our duty if we really care to bestow upon them the knowledge we have about any way that they could potentially better their quality of life. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful, you know, to, to summarize for everyone what, what, Chris, you know, just said to me, you know, if I'm a PT. I didn't, I didn't even educate my patient on the benefits that this product can provide to this person's life. You know, he said to me, either you don't believe in orthotics or you don't care about your patient. I mean, that's pretty powerful. I mean, what would your clinician say as a response to that type of statement? And yeah, I, I get it. There's a lot of science out there. Uh, you know, this is negative towards orthotics. So, you know, it very well may be that a clinician doesn't believe in, in orthotics. And that's a fundamentally different conversation completely, if that's yeah, the answer. Completely, com you know, completely different topic. We're not going into the, to the clinical reasons why orthotics right. are good or <laughs> yeah, bad. We're not, we're not going to touch on that at all. You know, but I thought that was interesting. But one other profound comment that you made when I said, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because I saw that his copay was so expensive. You said, don't project your thoughts onto others. And, you know, this is a key takeaway for me that I'm going to that I'm going to write down and I'm going to remember because so frequently we do this. We project our thoughts onto someone else prior to to even seeing like how open are they to what it is that, that we want to discuss. You know, like it, it. So like here's just an entirely different example. I mean, not all people are motivated for the same reasons. You may have someone who cares about nothing but personal income. So someone who's motivated by money, but then you have someone who, you know, complete opposite, they could care less about money. What they care about is like just consistency, being home with their family, uh, being at home as much as possible. They don't want to work hard, work long hours. They're not trying to grow like a big financial empire. 
It's like you can't motivate those two people the same way. So like if you are someone who's tremendously financially driven and motivated, you can't project those thoughts onto everyone else. Like it's just totally inappropriate. No, no that's interesting. Don't project your thoughts onto others. You know, I, I really like that. And, and I'll tell you from my own experience that there are solutions out there, whether it's physical or whether it's any other type of solution that exists for a private practice. There are solutions out there and knowledge out there and expertise that can make providing these services even more accessible and more beneficial to your patients. Something that I say uh, frequently when this discussion comes up is I think there are three things that are important. They, they really determine whether a patient is going to be someone that buys or participates in a service. And it really only has to be one of the three. And I look at it like this. I say, if you're going to provide something, you should aspire to accomplish one of these three. It should either be more convenient, it should be more cost-effective, or simply of a higher quality. Convenience, cost, and quality. If you provide a better solution in any one of those, people will participate. If you provide all three, they're foolish not to. Mm -hmm. You know, and I reflect, I reflect back to some of the smallest things in life. Like as an example, the other day I bought a banana at a gas station. Was I upset that they charged me a dollar nine for that one (laughs) banana? (laughs) When, when at Publix, I got a bunch, a whole bundle of bananas for 99 cents. No, absolutely not. They they charged me 10 times what I need to pay for this, uh, for this banana, but yet I'm happy because it was convenient and I wanted it then and they provided it to me. Yep. You know, like these, these components that Chris is talking about right now, you know, greater quality, lower cost or more convenient in business. This is what we refer to as competitive advantages. So when you think about your practice or something that you're going to offer, whether it's a new service or product or just general physical therapy, what are the competitive advantages of your practice or even of your knowledge, your skill set as a PT or a PTA or even a student? What will your competitive advantages be? So, you know, I, th- I, think that's a, I think that's a unique point. But, you know, I think w- it would be great for us to be able to give, you know, a, a little bit of a broader example as to, like, why this is so important or how to evidence that we care. You know what I'm saying? Like I heard, uh, you were in the, you were in the same meeting that I was in uh, with Jim Abrams when he discussed sure, how HEPA filters. Yeah, it was it was that it was that conversation on help HEPA filters because uh, this you know because Jim Abrams comes um, from the heating and air conditioning uh, industry from from a past life, and I thought it was a remarkable story that helped open the eyes for me personally, but for all the other PTs that were in the room. Why don't we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, it may be easiest to just sort of role play this scenario. But as an example, uh, so Matt, do you have anybody in your family that has a uh, like respiratory challenge or respiratory issue at home? I do. Okay. Who? My wife and daughter. Uh, Now, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to assume you care deeply about them, right? (laughs) I do care deeply. In fact, you probably go so far as to say there is nothing in the world that you care more about than those two. Correct. Okay. Now. Did you know that there is something called a HEPA filter out there that could substantially increase their respiratory health? Mm-mm. No. Why don't you know about it? No one's ever told me about it. Because <laughs> you're not an HVAC expert, right? <laughs> that hey, too. You, you've, yep. you've probably had an uh, HVAC expert in your home at some point or another, right? 
Probably a dozen or more times. I guarantee you they know all about them. Do you know why you don't know about them? Because you never told me about it. Because they didn't tell you about it because they didn't care enough to ask. Because what I can tell you is that a HEPA filter is out there can remove 99.9% of the, uh, you know, the issues that you'll have in the air, give you air with the clarity, like being on top of a mountain in Aspen. Mm -hmm. And you could accomplish that for 70 cents a day. Matt, if you could have Aspen within your living room for 70 cents a day, would you do it? Without a doubt. Then I just sold you, quote, quote, sold you a $3,000 HEPA filter. But do you feel like I sold you something or do you feel like I might just be the one out of a million HVAC folks that actually cared enough to say, Matt, what do you want? What can I do to help you? Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be the latter. I mean, guys, you got to think about this. Within sales, caring, serving, you're not shoving something down someone's throat. You're educating. You're then providing them with an opportunity to move forward or not. It's their choice. No one's no one's holding a gun to your patient's head saying, you know, you need to buy this knee brace. Like, no, it's, it's not this at all. Yeah, if they are, that would indeed be a problem. Yeah, uh, don't have them employed any longer. If that's yeah, you should probably be be careful about that. Right. But I think the point here is that as business owners, what we should be looking to do is serve our constituents in as many ways as we possibly can, and our time should be focused upon how we help them tap into the things they want, not assume what they do and do not want. Yep, yep, completely agree. So, you know, as, as we close this out, you know, I, I, I want to summarize something. The, the purpose of today was to be able to change the perspective and mindset that you have on why PTs don't sell or how to get them to sell. Because sell is the inappropriate and incorrect word in this circumstance. It's caring, it's serving. How does one create a culture of, of tremendously high caring? Because if you want an answer as to how your PTs are going to sell, that's exactly how you do it. And I'll tell you, if we really were to retitle this, it should be why PTs who care do sell. <laughs>